Okay, so we're going to have a look at the Word of God. First scripture today is Numbers 2.2. Um, I wanted to carry on with the theme. While I was over there uh, going through these things, the concept of a God-given identity is something perhaps we can refresh our heart and mind with equally, something we can look at. And when, when you look around, Australia is a little bit different. We're, we are a strong identity nation. We know who we are. We have the national anthem. We have a lot of things happening. Most of us have a footy team, a cricket team, a rugby team. We've got the Olympics because we do so well in sport. We've sort of got Aussie, 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 and we have a lot of identifiers that tell us who we are. But many countries around the world don't have them, and there's a lot of pressure on to take the identity of people away so that they don't have this strong sense of freedom and power because, uh, as we know, there's a very strong political uh, influence around the world for globalism. That's no secret. It's almost on the news every day uh, without getting into any conspiracies and anything which might be considered uh, edge. Uh, the reality is globalism is happening. Uh, we see the battle on in Europe with the French Prime Minister and the uh, German uh, Prime Minister uh, saying that they should all get together, that they shouldn't be loyal to their country, they should be loyal to the EU and they're trying to take away um, national identity and the only way you can sort of control people is to l let them lose their identity then they'll accept your authority because the sense of freedom and a sense of choice goes when the identity goes with it and this is no different than what's been happening scripturally for thousands of years. Um, Satan challenged the identity that Adam and Eve had. He said that if they worshipped him, he would give them another identity and that identity would, they could be like God. So he offered them another identity at the expense of the one they had. And the story goes right through. So I, I thought today where they're trying to take away the uh, identity that we have, men and women, that's trying to be broken down. Uh, I noticed when we arrived in Kathmandu, you can fill in the form, male, female, other. I don't know what other is, so I put it anyway to see what would happen. Nothing happened. I'm still who I am. So, and I'm not sure, I think the Australian one, I don't think you had to do it. I, I don't think that was there. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I'm just wondering, and uh, while I was away, I had a, a cartoon got sent to me by a friend, and I think some of you got it on the, the daily send-out, and this fisherman said, if I catch a, a crab a male crab, sorry, a female crab that identifies as a male, do I have to throw it back? For those who don't know, if you catch a female crab, you've got to throw them back. You're only allowed to keep the male ones. So, question, I thought, well, it, it's funny, but it's actually, oh, some people got it. I'm glad you got it. That's good. This is about identity, and today um, there's a, a strong challenge out there for people's identity to be taken away for the sole reason of uh, so that uh, people can be influenced more easy in other areas where to do and be uh, perhaps under control that they wouldn't normally be under. Now the Bible doesn't go that way. The Bible's all about establishing identity and I'd like to take you through some really strong scriptures on this and Numbers 2.2 2 is the first one. I'll, I'll do some explaining without going to scripture because it takes too long and I don't want to go over time for your sake. Although now we've got fans, I think that's permission for another five minutes. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, God was a, uh, an authority that allowed people to have an identity. That's what he wanted. 
So the 12 tribes became 12 tribes so, so that 12 different groups of people with the same spiritual laws and the same spiritual input could develop. And the God maintained their personal identity so that they would keep apart and it would allow the better part of the uh, each tribe to surface, but it also would highlight the failings. Now, the overview of the tribes of Israel were the 12 tribes. Some failed miserably. Even though they had the same, they had a common uh, group of priests. The Levites were through all the nations uh, of Israel and they administered God's way and God's law and the authority to the people. So they had a common background like they were in the wilderness. They had the same fire and the same uh, Holy Spirit smoke uh, and they all lived under it and this is what the scripture talks about. And we're just going to read here where God highlighted the fact that every tribe had and maintained an identity. So it said, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch his own standard, which is banner, with the ensign, which is a sign or a flag, or, or a, an emblem of an animal or some other object, which was their tribal object, of their father's house, far off about the tabernacle of the congregation that they pitch. So the reason I'm reading this verse is to show you that God had already granted them signs, images, identity. They had an identity. God wanted these people to have an identity because once you lose your identity, you're going to become a victim to something. This is why we have identities. This is why there are males and females. This is why uh, each animal, like there's cats and there's dogs, there's each uh, species of life has an identity which is uniquely their own and the identity is usually covered by uh, genetics and um, simple biology, but the heart of man is different. And there's been a battle going on to take your spiritual identity. God made you. God made humanity. Each person is a living being with a purpose. Each person on the planet now, and it doesn't matter whether they're Hindu, atheist, um, you know, Alaskan uh, uh, dwellers or wherever they might be, God has put in every living person the ability to receive the Holy Spirit and to become a spiritual being and to live forever. That's part of what God has made available. Now, what has happened is that because some people identify as something, it cancels out quite often the power that God wants to give them, cancels out the knowledge cancels this out, cancels that out and this is why God has called people like ourselves together so we can go and inform people that there is a purpose for their life, that there is a reason that they actually exist on the earth, that there is a, a plan for their future. Most people don't know this and unless someone tells them, they're never going to know it. So that's part of who we are. We give people our identity which God has given us with signs, miracles and wonders and we go out and display God's promise to them the same way. So here we have the tribes and the point I wanted to make here is it was God's will that these people be distinctly identified, that they have their father's house, they had signs, they had symbols, they had their own music, they had their own players, they had their own tunes, they had particular things which were theirs. They had their own colours. All of these things, like the, some of the Scottish houses with the tartans, they all had their own tartan, or what do they call that? Their own plate, or P-L-A-I-T, or whatever they call it. They, they've all got their own motto and emblem and family tree and all these things. This is what God wants people to have so they don't lose track 
of the purpose of their existence and their descendancy. Now, in the Holy Spirit, we have a different type of descendancy. Our Holy Spirit descendancy comes from repentance, water baptism, and receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. God doesn't want any of us to lose that identity because this is who we are. This is our signs following. These are our colors. This is the music. This is the thing which sets us apart from the rest of the world. Not that we're better. It's just the spirit in us is better than we ever were and it's better than any other option that people have. So it's God in us which is better, not so much us, but by default, because the spirit's in us, we are better, but it's not because of us. It's because of God. So we're in this very powerful position where we actually have a spiritual identity. And it's no surprise that the identity that the children of Israel had also set them apart from all the other nations. In fact, God was so um, so demanding that they maintain this identity that many uh, intertribal uh, relationships were usually forbidden or discouraged. And it was very awkward for a person in one of the tribes to marry someone in another tribe. The assets were not allowed to be transferred from one tribe to another. There's a whole list of things. But apparently there was a bit of a debate on one of the law scriptures and I think on one occasion they sort of begrudgingly accepted the fact that the dowry could go with the wife if she went from one tribe to another, but not the family land and not the other stuff. So God was very careful to have these people maintain an identity and with the passing of time, each 12 tribes could be investigated to see what they've achieved, what they failed at, what was good, what was not so good. And the end result, of course, is a couple of the tribes did exceedingly well. But many of the tribes did very poorly. In fact, many of the tribes moved away from God altogether, despite the fact that they had the family symbol, despite the fact that they went right back, they all claimed Abraham was their father, they all had all these things, they all knew about the time in the wilderness, they all knew those things, but a lot of them lost it. And in one sense, it's not much different today because the world of spirit-filled people, whether we like it or not, is sort of in one way divided into tribes in the same sense. We've got this religion here, that religion there, and so on. And if we stand back and keep an eye on these things, we can see the end result of the identity of people who serve God. And we have an identity and we've not moved away, which I'll make a reference in a minute. But firstly, I'd like to go back to Exodus 14 verse 19 to set the scene for what came for the age of the Holy Spirit, which we're in now. So God also offered his identity to people and he offered a, a very personal identity and this he did here in Exodus 14:19, which was available to everyone who were part of Israel at that time. And he said in verse 19, And the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from behind their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all night. Now, the interesting thing here is that there's some definitions and revelations of how God worked. The Holy Spirit power of God, which was very clearly there that they could all see, those who were on one side of the understanding could see it clearly. And the fire gave them light, and also in the wilderness, the desert night was quite cold, the fire kept them warm. By day, the cloud was there, it kept them in shelter, so it was like a, a sort of an air conditioning environment for them, 
uh, the Holy Spirit just protected their uh, little cosmos to keep them safe, which it did for 40 years, by the way. But it said to the others who were following them, they couldn't see. They just couldn't see. So to some people, the Spirit of God is a shining light. It's a source of power. But to other people, the same blessing of God, because they refuse to acknowledge God in their heart, to them it's just blackness. They see nothing. And they have no future, no blessing, no miracle will ever come to their life while they're in this state of forced denial which they upon themselves uh, bring and force themselves not to accept the identity which God has offered them. So we have two scriptures there as references for you to see that there are identities, the signs, the symbols. And look further on through the Bible, there's references to God revealing music to particular tribes or particular people. God revealed the art of metallurgy to some people so they could make alloys. Uh, alloys, sorry, not alloys, they made alloys too. But they could make uh, different types of metals. Uh, there was also engineering principles revealed to some so they could build the temple. Uh, Moses, sorry, Noah would have had engineering principles revealed to him so the ark could be built and, uh, and put together in such a way. And so it goes. So God kept revealing things to people. And these people who maintained an identity with God kept getting blessings. But those who had no identity with God or lost it or forfeited it, nothing happened for them. It was always there, but it just didn't happen because they never took from it. They never invested in uh, what God wanted. And the New Testament church has sort of come the same way. Since the day of Jesus Christ, God has been pouring the Spirit out. But for people like ourselves, we have the Holy Spirit. We speak in tongues. We, we've seen healings and miracles. I've been over in Nepal where they're quite common because the people over there don't have a lot of choice. The medicine over there for most people is just unaffordable or unobtainable. So they rely on healing more than perhaps we might hear. And uh, that's the way it goes. So the church, our own church, we started uh, officially, even though we sort of had people in our fellowship get together in the early 1940s after uh, World War II, uh, we really didn't get together as a church, which we are now called the Revival Fellowship. 1957-58 is when the doctrine of repentance, baptism and Holy Spirit was acknowledged as the only way to be saved and introduced uh, into our organisation as a group of people. Now, I, I checked those dates. I rang up Pastor Jock and got the details because the people that he uh, hangs around with, the ones still alive, they were there. These dates are quite accurate. And he's got a bit of a running record. Not, not that it matters in one sense, but it matters very strongly on a debate like, should we have a spiritual identity or not? And the answer is, of course we should. We're going to go to Acts 2, verse 3, because the identity in the Bible is the identity that we have. We haven't changed that pattern since 58 through to now, and we won't be changing it. The interesting thing is we don't have any divisions in our fellowship where anyone, any group of our people are trying to change the Holy Spirit experience. We don't have anyone in our group trying to water down the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We don't have anyone trying to push for a variety of things which are paramount uh, to our survival as a fellowship. But to say we agree 100% on every part of the Bible would be absolutely ridiculous because most of us, even in our own heart, can't agree with the same thing five years later we agreed to today in some parts of our understanding. But when it comes to salvation, the running of the church, the uh, personal safety and edification of the people, we're all on the same page. 
and this is a good thing, and we want to try and keep there, because we don't want the establishment of God's ways in us changing to something which will actually weaken us and start removing our identity rather than building on our identity. And I think this is why we feel safe. Amen? Yeah, I certainly feel safe being in that type of situation. Acts 2 verse 3 says, And he appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began or began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, principally, this is no different than the Holy Spirit fire which appeared in the wilderness. It appeared for everyone to see. Everyone who was part of those who came out, as it was, I guess symbolically, they came out of Egypt, came out of the world, entered into God's relationship together. And they all had this access to the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit was there for their benefit. And the Holy Spirit today is no different. There's, there's good reason why the terminology here, like fire, and came upon each of them, like as of fire, these terms are used for good reason because there's also symbolism, there's identity in fire, there's parallels. All these things go through and we could spend the rest of the day coupling up identities, I guess, but I don't want to do that. I'm just trying to bring you the message that God has a powerful identity for us as his people. He wants us to maintain that identity and he wants us to go out and incorporated into the lives of others because God is an adopting God. We've been born into this world. You can't change your name. Well, you can, I guess, in one sense. But in essence, you can't change who your mother and father were. You can't change a lot of things. And God is saying, you come in, I'll give you something which will change you forever. He said, the Bible talks about we've been given the Holy Spirit of adoption, meaning we've been taken into another family which is not our original family and the benefit of being adopted is you get all the benefit of the birthright even though you weren't born into it. But we have the identity that comes with it. So uh, traditionally up until more recent times when you got married, the, you, uh, uh, the wife would take on the husband's name and you write down, and my wife is very happy to become Mrs Smith and I was very happy for her to become Mrs Smith equally. And uh, we've been happily married for 40 long years and a bit. And we're getting towards 50. And we are happy to have that identity with each other. I'm happy to be Mr. Smith and she's happy to be Mrs. Smith. And she's happy that Mr. Smith pays all the bills for Mrs. Smith. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good working arrangement that we all love. So we have an identity. But God also gave his people an identity. And yes, there is a name change, but it's not yet. We'll get to that in a moment. But there is a spiritual change. So God fills people with the Holy Spirit like they did in Acts. Even now, almost 2,000 years later, people still speak with tongues. This is an identifier of the power of God. This is a demonstration of God, not only in you, but those who observe that God has brought you into his household and you are now a son or daughter of the living God. That's God's identity. Speaking in tongues is the identifier which is the identity. And it's a very powerful thing because um, this is what happened in the wilderness. It's happening in principle now and it's a strong message. So when I go out and speak to people as I've just done in Nepal or here for that matter, I don't have to talk about religion. I don't have to talk about what I believe in the Bible and the argument about whether it is a, um, a trinity or not or whether it's a, a literal this or a literal that. I don't have to go there. I just simply say this is what God's done for me. 
It's in the Bible. This is how God identifies people. You can have it too. You can have the identity of God in your life. But unless we practice our identity, as time passes, we forget. It's easy to forget who you are. It's easy to forget your spiritual name. And we've had people who have spirit-filled. I, I remember one person in particular operated the gifts in the meeting for many years, witnessed to people, brought them along, filled them with the Spirit uh, through the prayer. And I've met some of these people again, and one in particular I can think of, who said to me, I never ever operated the gifts of my life. I never spoke in tongues. I said, well, how do you explain? I made it up. They didn't make it up. They're making it up when they talk like that. But they've forgotten their identity. And some of the tribes of Israel, when uh, people came uh, to revive them, they'd forgotten who they were. When the book of the law was open and dusted off, they were weeping because they'd forgotten the plan of God for them. They'd forgotten. That's King Josiah, 12 years old, not quite, you know, I think he was king then. They dust off the law and they open the book and read it and he starts crying because he's seeing things that they didn't know. The plan of God here, been there, always happened. All of their folklore, a lot of their songs, a lot of their psalms and victories, many of the things they read, all of a sudden it's gelling with this guy. This is God's identity for me. So he went out and he ruled for 40 years and he brought the power of God back to where it was. He established God's identity and here we are today in a population around the world of over 7 billion people where the vast majority of them do not know that they were created, who do not know that their physical design incorporated a spiritual solution, who do not know the God of the Bible has a plan for them, who do not know that in the future there's another body waiting for them if they make the right choices now. They don't know this. They don't know who, they're, who they are. They've forgotten or they've never been told who they are, what they're here for or what they can hope to uh, receive if they go and worship God the Bible way. Who's going to tell them? The Bible says to us, if there is no preacher, who's going to tell them? I, I ask the same question every time. I hope you get not sick of it, but I hope it really needles you. The person who lives next door to you, who is going to tell them about the power of God if you do not tell them? No one. Not going to happen. It's up to you. But we're not feeling guilty about the neighbour. It's just the uh, awareness that who's going to know anything about God unless we are sharers of the truth. And like I said earlier, the great strength we have is we don't have to get bogged down in religious debate. We can actually just say, this is what God has done for me. And as long as we can identify miracles and signs and wonders and not sort of, sort of go into some of the more nefarious areas or the imagined areas that, you know, I prayed to God and I heard the wind whistling outside and that was my sign and we, we don't want to go there because that's not necessarily something which the Bible talks about. Let's go to what the Bible does talk about. And these signs will follow them that believe. And that's what we quote, and this is what we stand on. And this is a good thing. 2, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Just a little bit of a qualifier here. He says here, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, which means to be anointed by the indwelling spirit, he is a new creature. New creatures have new identities. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. 
This is us. This is God's promise to whoever we speak to, us, and it carries on. And we've seen so many people, well over a 100 people now in Nepal in our travels, receive the Holy Spirit with exactly the same evidence. Some people, when they're speaking in tongues, I know straight away it's the Holy Spirit and not <coughs> not Nepalese, not in Hindi or some of the other languages. Some of the languages are very similar to what I hear here in the gifts. Very clearly not a, an Asian language whatsoever. And you can hear it and it's happening and you just think, praise God, this is the identifier, they have it. And to see someone just so astonished and blown away by the fact that God's blessed them. Uh, this time, disappointingly, no one offered to marry me, but we were offered a child to bring home. Uh, someone offered us a child because they believed that uh, with the blessing that God had on us, we could raise their child, their daughter, to a far better life than they would have in Nepal. So we got one of the girls to speak to her and say, no, you can have the same blessing that we have. And that was a further witness because they don't know. They don't understand. They need to be told. Once they get the Spirit, they need to be told about the Spirit because if you do not work on your identity, you will lose it. And that's an important thing. Now, time's nearly up, so I want to be uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 i just like to refer to our new identity and I've got a little bit more scriptures here which you can take the notes yourself and read it another time. In 1 Peter 2.9, this is what Peter is obviously, that's why it's called Peter, he's writing to a group of spirit-filled people. He said, but ye are, what? A chosen generation, meaning you're elect. You've been elected in to a position or granted a position of authority you are a royal priesthood. This is a very rare combination. Royal and priesthood is both spiritual and natural leader. Not too many in the Bible were royal priests. In fact, usually the officers were kept apart. But on this occasion we're told, hey God, this is, your, this is what God says. This is your identity according to God, not according to what my church says or my religion says or what we religiously believe. This is what God has revealed his viewpoint of who you are in his sight, whether you like it or not. This is, this is what God says. Chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're a, a new people set apart like Israel, but this time we are spiritual Israel. And this time, like old Israel, which were divided into tribes, whether we like it or not, the earth is divided into spiritual tribes. And some will excel in their servitude to God and others will fail in their servitude to God. But one of the reasons where God kept the tribes apart was that those who prospered could observe and those that were failing could observe, but it always meant, to use a natural term, that the genetic pool was kept isolated from damaging influences which perhaps the failing tribes would have. Because if we became one tribe, we would always go to the lowest common denominator. And this is what we see in mainstream religion now, the lowest common denominator. Believe in your heart and that's all you need to do. Because you can't maintain God's identity when you become obscurely diverse and mixed all around the world. Our church keeps apart and stands apart, not because we're better, not because we're superior. We keep apart because we've got a particular approach to the Lord that we want to maintain and we don't want to corrupt it or pollute it with anything else. And the fact that we've been able to keep together with the same power doctrine 
since, uh, say, 1960 for a starting number, up to now some 60 or 60 plus years later, almost 70, uh, proves that being apart in some ways is far more beneficial than being mixed into the common uh, whatsoever because there's no way known I would bring one of my children into a fellowship where it was, yeah, just give your heart to the Lord and you'll be saved. There's no identity in that. I want God to sign the document. Uh, I want evidence that I own eternal life. I want the proof that I am an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven. I don't want some promise which is obscure and unprovable. So this is why the Lord said here, a holy nation, set apart spiritual Israel. And this is what we are. We're a holy nation. We are a peculiar people here. The word peculiar not being the offensive or comical way. It just simply means God's possession. Peculiar meaning different than the rest of the world. We are now God's family. This is the peculiarity about it is that we are now God's, not of this world. That you should what? Show forth or promote the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Why are we all these things? For a purpose. Why has he granted us a spiritual identity, a spiritual promise, a spiritual future and spiritual terminology so we can share it with others? How do we share it with others? With the same identity that we have. And that's what we do. And that's why we don't mix our identity now, look, I'm not anti-females taking the, or men taking the woman's name or that. Uh, I couldn't care less whose name you take because um, I'm not married to you. I don't have to cop anything from you. I've got, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. So I don't care what you do, but there's some simple things that don't work. If you marry someone, and let's say your name is Smith and you marry Brown, so you become Brown Smith, then your daughter marries John Green. You become Brown Smith John Green. Then your next daughter, which goes three generations later, becomes, you know, brown, green, white, yellow, purple. It, it, before, in four generations, you've got 36 or 32 names to your surname. Which one are you going to drop off? Who are you going to offend? Five generations later, it's completely unworkable. That's why, by most genealogies, the standard is they keep the male name not because they're superior, it just makes it trackable and easy to go back and uh, the uh, great name groups who follow genealogy would be impossible to follow if they had to do what's happening in this world today. And it gets to the stage where it's just not going to work. It's only four generations, it's unworkable, five, it's impossible. So there it is. So we have this identifier. I'd like to finish on one scripture. I've got a lot more I'd like to finish on, but I'll finish on one. Uh, Revelation 3, verse 12. I'd like to just bring forward the identity of the future that God speaks about because God talks about the new Jerusalem, meaning a spiritual city coming down to earth. And a lot of people say, oh, look, this is fairy tale stuff. And other, Hey, you're a spirit in a human body. You don't get much more fairy tale than that. Think about it. You are a spirit in a human body. If you're going to worry about God being, you know, and, and, and angels and fairies and pixies and the unbelievable, hey, you are a spirit in a human body. So before you start getting upset and disappointed about the mixture of the impossibilities, look at yourself in the mirror because you are already a mixture of impossibilities, both spirit, soul and body. But that's just part of an argument. doesn't matter. All right, Revelation 3.12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar 
which is a main support or structure in the temple of my God. But it's also a pillar of fire. Do you understand this word pillar, pillar is not used by accident? It has an identity with God in his actions. So here he says here, those who overcome are going to be part of the new Jerusalem as such. You're going to be actually part of a city. You're actually going to be part of a temple. But it's obviously a living temple. It's a spiritual temple. It's something we've never seen before. It's something the mind cannot grasp because the description and revelation of the new Jerusalem is a cubic city, 1,000 miles cubic, higher than the planes fly, much higher than the planes fly. We can't define that. The Bible does, but whether it's metaphorical or uh, whatever, look, it really doesn't matter to me. I'm having enough trouble grasping how the Spirit of God can dwell in the body without what's going to come after. And the angels can't work out how the Spirit of God dwells in us, so if they're a little bit mystified by it, I don't see why we should go too much further because if they can't understand it and they dwell with God 24 hours a day, then I don't know how much more we're going to comprehend up until our minds, uh, the limitations to human thinking are taken from us and we see the whole spiritual picture, which the Bible says we will. So, him that overcometh, I'll make a pillar in the temple of uh, my God, and he shall go out no more, and I will write, write upon him the name of my God. Hey, we're going to have a new name. We don't know what that name is yet, but it's about the name of God being given to us. But it goes on also, and the name of the city of my God, that's coming on to us, which is a new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my new name. Hey, there's three names now being given to each person. Three separate identities which all become one, whatever all that means, when the Lord returns. This is why we do this. You know, we go to funeral, someone's in a coffin, you know, everyone's sad, everyone's grieving, everyone's going to miss the person and whatever, but then we go away and we forget the person dead. Where's their spirit? Where are they? What are they doing? What's happening? Is there a future? Well, this is sobering because it makes us stop and think. But I believe that when we go out and share our testimony, words like this make us stop and think. We have an identity. We are the providers and givers of life. We have the identity in signs, biblical provable signs. The record is there. And just for a little bit, for your benefit in the future, God reveals something about your name your identity, and he said, there's three aspects of identity. You're going to be part of the temple of God. You're going to be part of the new city. You're going to be part of God itself, which is sort of the overview. And Jesus Christ is going to give you a new name like his new name. So even Jesus Christ himself, it appears from the way the, the wording is, gets a new name too. This is truly amazing. Truly amazing. But it is God's given identity. And all the people said... Amen.